Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm standing in an alleyway in Vancouver with a guy some people call OPN, some people call him 10 Tricks Point Never, and some people call him Daniel. But how would you like me to address you? Uh, Daniel is good. He is all bundled up and he has a glass of warm tea. I do. I'm just trying to preserve my larynx. Please preserve it. But this is the first time anybody's drank tea during an interview with me. It's, it's my honor to be the first. Aw, that's so sweet. We are doing this interview a little bit early because we both want you to chill before the show. What is a typical chill-out session before a show for Daniel? Pretty low-key. Usually involves maybe an alcoholic beverage at the hotel, but not really too much. And I usually catch up on basketball news scores, stuff like that. Who's your team? Uh, the Celtics, I'm from Boston, so that's my team. I know nothing about basketball, so how are they doing this year? Uh, surprisingly pretty good, all things considered. I think we should play a track of yours right now. I'm going to start things off with Sticky Drama. I'd love you to say a sentence about that while I turn it on. Well, Sticky Drama is a track on the album that, like many tracks on the album, Garden of Delete, has personality disorder so it's a track that's kind of meant to be really sugary and sweet like a sugary and sweet pop song but also kind of grinds has an aggressive grinding cyber metal uh, personality as well and those things come together on the track
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard sticky drama off the record Garden of Delete by a man called one Tricks Point Never. I have Daniel here. He's taking a big sip of tea to save his vocal cords. I would love it if you could say something a little bit more about this track. Uh, sticky drama was brief, kind of vaguely uh, inspired by memories of my, uh, of my puberty and like many of the tracks on the record, are inspired by puberty in general. And I thought Sticky Drama, which was a website, actually, a defunct website, but I thought that the the phrase was funny. And I was thinking a lot about, like, how absurd it is to ejaculate for the first time. Beyond that, it's a kind of absurd stream-of-consciousness tale of wanting to be famous. So today we're talking about your latest record, that is Garden of Delete. I've heard two stories about the concept behind this record. Concept number one, I heard that you wanted this record to be a commentary on mainstream music and that all the songs would be based on leftover mainstream song ideas by other big name writers. Yeah, so originally that was the idea. I was really uh, feeling inspired by music I was listening to or watching on Vivo. I was became obsessed with Vivo and would routinely watch it for, you know, hours on end in the morning before I went to the studio. And I thought, you know what? I would be cool to make a OPN record out of vestigial or throwaway kind of junk from top line writers and producers and just kind of ask for their cat scraps and see if I could make anything cool out of it. And um, in trying to communicate with industry type people, I got... Uh, totally deterred uh, and also um, didn't really want to talk to them (laughs) as much as I thought I did and um, they didn't really want to talk to me either so it was fine but it still kind of creeps its way into the record in, in, in so much as that I really do think of each track on the record as kind of you know have being able to kind of um stand on its own as a single or a pop song in my mind whether it actually is in other people's minds uh is kind of uh besides the the point for me it was like each song was a a, a, like a adventure in creating a kind of a an idea of pop music for myself so um we're in an alleyway and the car right beside us is starting up and hopefully going to pull out soon the guys watching us and Daniel's going to take a big sip of tea while we wait. Oh, he's pausing. He's putting on a seatbelt. Hopefully this happens fast. Oh, here he goes. There he goes. How about while that guy's pulling out, you tell me about one track 
that you saw on Vivo that's a guilty obsession that no one would expect Daniel one o tricks point never to watch or become obsessed with. Well, honestly, I don't. I don't actually believe in guilty pleasures. I think it's like a really, it's like a strangely Judeo-Christian way to approach uh, pleasure. So, if you like something, it should just be a pleasure. So, I would say, I think when I was like when I had just started watching a lot of Vivo, Ray Sturmond was coming on all the time, and so like No Type or whatever was. A great track that came on every seven minutes. Uh, so that would be it. So the second conceptual conceit of this record, Garden of Delete, that I heard about was... That this record is about an adolescent alien and a hyper grunge band called Chaos Edge and their imaginary collaboration. Now, while you talk about this, I'm going to play a track of yours in the background. I'm going to play Mutant Standard off Garden of Delete. So, is what I heard correct? Um, it's roughly correct. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a hugely important part of the record, although it seemingly became a big part i made a record and then i realized hey i have all this time to kill before the record comes out i want to do something meaningful and entertaining and cool for myself and for my fans uh to lead up to the record but also probably just for fun so i started kind of crafting this lore you know i would say it wasn't just me too some of my best friends and i getting together having an excuse to shoot the shit and and um, you know, come up with these weird, um, fantastical kind of hallucinations, these fairy tales that were absurd and kind of psychotic by these characters that we thought were funny. And um, in going with the theme of the record, which is so rooted in my sort of like my half-baked memories of of the person I was when I was, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever, I. I, I figured that an alien would be like the best kind of um, way to personify all of the issues of being an adolescent kid. So since we're listening to Mutant Standard in the background, can you maybe tie this into this track? There's um, there's some pretty amusing um, kind of um, dialogue that happens on Mutant Standard. video I found uh, of these kids, these two brothers, one was a little younger one was a little older, one his voice had kind of cracked and he had become kind of fully entrenched in his puberty his younger brother maybe or maybe they were a similar age, had not yet and they're running around this this uh, their, their, their community, they look like a gated community or something like that they're running around and um, messing with the neighbors and being pests I guess but uh, I was so amused by that video and I kind of imagined a scenario where 
they're approaching all of these houses in the neighborhood, knocking on the door and running away. So I imagine that they come to a house and they're actually consumed by the house as a as a kind of a hallucinatory object that sucks them in, like like in a horror movie or something, like in Hellraiser or something. And they actually become part of of this home and thus become like a uh, kind of an alien object. the idea for the song but it doesn't have lyrics or anything like that so it's not totally um, important to know that when you listen to it but that is the the backstory. So I think it's time that we listen to a full-fledged track instead of one in the background. I'm gonna let you choose one. You can pick an older one or a newer one. Okay um, uh, my favorite track on Garden of Delete is Animal so it would be cool to play that one.
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Animals. So, Daniel, how would you like to tell me a little bit more about that track? Animals is like a ballad. I see it as a ballad, and I was pretty obsessed with uh, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters, and and Nirvana, Polly, uh, like kind of downer, mellow ballads, specifically kind of grunge era ballads. I think I was at, I had already recorded most of the album and played it for my friend, and he said he loved the whole record. So there was one track he thought was a dud, and he thought I should replace it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to replace it. I'm going to write this song in a few hours, and um, it's going to be really simple in a way. And um, that's that. That's what Animals is. That's the result. Awesome. A car is just parked right beside us, and he zoomed right in. Wow. So, 10 Tricks Point Never. Hi. How's it going? 10 Tricks Point Never, a phrase that's used a lot when people talk about you is strength of vision, and I'd love you to talk about that. Uh, in, uh, in what sense would you want me to talk about that? <laughs> I think that what they're saying is that to do what you do, you have to have a very strong idea, maybe more so than other types of artists. I think it's important to have strong ideas in whatever you do. Um, or whichever way you want to live. You don't necessarily have to think they're right or wrong, but I think having, having a, um, pursuing strong ideas in general, whether they, whether they pan out or not, uh, it's just a good way to live. I think it just creates more interesting and more diverse work when you actually kind of, um, put yourself and your, your, uh, yeah, put yourself into them. I think a lot of the the music that I like is it's not because it's a style or of music or or anything like that. I think I just like music where I feel like someone's really put themselves into it. There's has this kind of idiosyncratic intensity to it or something. So that's how I'd like to think of um, of strength, I guess. So we talked a little earlier about the concepts behind the record. So if we talked about this record in terms of strength of your vision for it, can you talk about a time where maybe that faltered and then you overcame whatever difficulties you were having? I don't know if there's anything too specific I can say, but I think I, it's important to take as much time as you need to kind of listen to your your thoughts. And uh, because sort the of... The gentleman who just drove up is going to leave now. Oh, here we go. It's busier back here than one would think. It really is. I think that that door over there leads to a storeroom where people oh, pick yeah. stuff up. That makes sense. So, thanks for your patience. The question was, um, essentially, when when did my, my strength of vision actually kind of kick in and help out in a situation? Like, it's super broad so that you can answer anything you want, but, like, yeah, for, cool. for example, it's like, if you were going to talk about the pop songs and reinventing them, or did you get to a point where you're like, okay, this is popish. I'm trying to subvert it. I'm trying to warp it in my own way. I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. And then you're like, okay, yeah, here, now I got it again. And if you want to talk about a specific song, please do. That'd be awesome. Okay. All right. So I think that our friend has picked up his package and driven away. There's this, like, Lou Reed song, this Velvet Underground song, actually, where he says, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, from thought, uh, from thought to expression is lifetime. So he illustrates that something about making stuff that I think is actually really important is that his expression usually begins in thoughts and it's difficult 
to get from a thought to an expression is there's a lot you have to do. It's a lot of work. And a lot of the time your thoughts don't actually end up in expressions the way that you imagined uh, th- them when they were when they were thoughts. So I think that that's important for me to always uh, listen to my thoughts. I think that's been the most kind of that's the coolest synthesizer that I have really is is the way I think and and the more I listen to myself thinking the more formal formally interesting or formally inventive ideas I get about something I I let my I let I let myself have kind of hallucinate these ridiculous things about whatever I'm doing at any moment without feeling any kind of weird uh uh, shame about it, you know. I just allow my thoughts to 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 be at the forefront of of the formal um, the kind of characteristics of whatever I'm working on, and the more I allow them to to kind of stretch out and be whatever they want to be, and kind of stack up on each other and and create kind of interesting dynamic relationships to ideas or objects or sounds or whatever. That's when. when when interesting um, stuff happens, I guess. I think that it's time for us to listen to another track. I'm going to play Replica. That's off your album from 2011. The title track. I'd love it if you could tell me one sentence about this song as I turn it on. Uh, Replica is like a... also a ballad, and it's kind of a downer, slow ballad. And I just remember there being a piano in the studio that went untouched for like the majority of the month when we were in there tracking that album and um my friend al who was helping me track and mix the record said hey you really should just use that piano at some point like he didn't really he was like you have to or else it's just sitting there it's a waste so i was like okay i'll sit down at the piano and came up with this little progression and and worked around that so beyond that i don't really remember much about it
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Replica, the title track off the 2011 record by 10 Tricks Point Never. I've got Daniel, a.k.a. OPN, finishing his tea with me in an alleyway. If you could go back in time and talk to the Daniel who made that track way back when, what would you say to him, knowing what you know now? I'd say, good job. Uh, that's a really good song. You're such a caring guy towards your former self. Yeah, I'm a a caring guy. That's super sweet. Today we're talking about your latest record, Garden of Delete. I'd love you to talk a little bit about writing songs. I read that for this record, you wrote all these songs first on the piano. Yeah, um, I generally kind of thought it would be, it'd make for a stronger album if I'd worked out the, the, the melodies to these songs first and really went in depth for that which I had started doing on the last record, but really um, embraced on this one. So yeah, I'd sit down at the keyboard or whatever, get a basic sound, usually an electric piano or something like that, and then um, write a song. And they'd kind of be loosely written and uh, tracked uh, in MIDI, and then I'd manipulate the MIDI and kind of massage the notes into place or do things that were kind of impossible to do kind of chromatically with my... Um, you know, given the, my limitations as a as a keyboard player, so there was a two step process. One was like coming up with these progressions, but then the other was spending a lot of time in the piano roll and MIDI and really making kind of impossibly uh, ornate um, little progressions or additions to what I had come up with that that I wouldn't have have really been able to do just simply sitting there and playing playing the song with my with my two hands so all right one of tricks point never aka daniel thank you for shivering out in an alleyway with me tonight you finished your tea so i've got one last question and here it is you've said a lot you've talked a lot about how doing press for your records is is a difficult thing interviews is something that you learn by doing a lot of them now that you have all this experience doing interviews what would you tell somebody just starting out is the most important thing to know I'd say remember that like if you have like people you care about that are going to listen like your friends or your family or your whomever remember to like talk like you really talk and say the things that you want them to hear as long as they're honest things I think that's you should keep them in mind because I always find that in kind of my the way I approached interviews when I first started was I kind of hyped myself up got myself all psyched out during interviews and I didn't really sound like myself like I almost like you know you're trying to impress everybody or you're trying to impress yourself or you're trying to impress the journalist but the best interviews is they kind of like just talk like you're talking to your friends or your family or whomever you really um, you care about you'd want it you want them to understand what you're saying you wouldn't want to just sound like a lunatic right okay Last song I'm going to play is I Bite Through It off your latest record, Garden of Delete. Thank you for suffering through. I'm not sure if you guys can hear this, but there's a high-pitched noise in the background, which I've figured out while doing this interview is to get rid of loiterers, but it didn't work. Is that really what it is? I can't imagine why else that tone would be in this alleyway. It's really intense, actually. So, yeah, you might be right. So, back to the matter at hand. I Bite Through It. I'd love you to say a few words about this while I turn it up. Uh, I Bite Through It is a kind of a quick and dirty song off the record, one of my favorites. It's um, has a kind of consists of 
an, an A section and a B section that combine to be like a verse and then the chorus is is like kind of like almost like a like I, I think of it as kind of like a grunge uh, progression kind of and um, it's I don't know it's just kind of a blend of like sampling and resampling sampling ad nauseum until I can't sample a thing anymore and it just becomes this corrosive serrated uh, knifey stabby thing in Rolling Stone, you called it your psychotic clown song. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. It's a, it's um, it's I I like to now I like to 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 characterize uh, stuff like I buy through it as like psycho scribbles. Like when you see like like a kid's weird notebook and or a weird kid's notebook rather, and he just has these psycho scribbles. Like those are formally interesting. Um, shapes and contours that he creates so i think um or she he or she creates so i think um the song is kind of like one big psycho scribble organized into into a a mesh of musical ideas i bite through it by 10 tricks point never thank you for being on my show you're very welcome thanks for having me
I'd love you to do is say hi. My name is 10 Tricks Point Never, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Hi, this is 10 Tricks Point Never, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. I'd love you to do one more and punch it. Uh, no, that was good. I'll, do, I'll stick to my first one. <laughs>